Welcome back, fellow music lovers. Hope you're staying safe and sound out there. We got a great little show for you in here. But before we get to that, I'm going to need you to do two things. Before you're even allowed to listen to this episode or I tell you what it's about, first of all, I want you to go to countrysoulsongbook.com and I want you to sign up to participate in the Country Soul Songbook Summit. Uh, what this is, is our, our friends down in North Carolina are putting on a whole thing this spotlighting black, indigenous, queer, southern, spiritual, working class contributors to the country soul Americana community. It is a deep community, it is a rich community, and it is about time a spotlight was shined on this part of the community. So uh, go there at countrysoulsongbook.com, sign up, and uh, donate if you can. It's going to be a good weekend, a lot of great programming, a lot of people I know are involved in that, and it's, it's going to be a... Uh, it's going to be sort of illuminating and educational. Second of all, have you registered to vote? Possibly the deadlines are done by now, but if you have not registered and you still have time, go, I will vote. It'll lead you everywhere you need to go to find out where you can register to vote in your state. And not only that, like how you can vote in your state, it's so important that you vote. Uh, I don't need to tell you why. Uh, you know. You know why <laughs> you need to vote, and we need to sort of uh, put a Band-Aid on this country for a little bit and then we can get a get a little reboot and we can do uh all the all the great work that is to come in the future and get started on that so so those two things i want you to do uh the show today we're going to be talking about uh brothers osborne my friend philip bassnight from burke royals they have a new album out called skeletons that is uh some pretty fiery playing on it if i do say so myself and then i'm going to be hanging out with my friend drew to talk about something we've never talked about on this podcast which is Willie Nelson how in 500 episodes that happened I don't know but we're going to be talking about his uh, in my humble opinion best album Teatro and uh, we're going to at least uh, we're gonna, if you don't know that we're going to introduce that to you and if you do know it then uh, then we're just going to sort of contextualize it and help you revisit it because man I listen to that album too much and and Drew, you'll hear him say that he listens to it. We listen to it a lot. It's a great album. You should listen to it a lot. But anyways, that is the show today. So if you have done the first two things and you agree with the premise that I'm laying out for what this show is going to be, then I guess it's time to get going. So settle in, grab a beverage, relax. Here we go with a brand new episode of Discologist talking about Brothers Osborne, new album Skeletons, and Willie Nelson's Teatro. And it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last man. That right there is a lot of the And you guys have been just like cranking out songs. It's been fun. We've been uh, a bit of a, a song factory this year. Uh, we've all used our stimulus checks to upgrade the home studios, and uh, that's been a nice way to keep us connected and busy. And we're not yeah. not getting together for anything, so um, it's nice that we have a reason to stay in each other's lives. Because yeah, when you take yeah. away live music and you take away studio music, that's studio pretty much most like, of what we do. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I think that's it's it, it should be a model for like how people are are reacting to this whole situation uh, because I feel like a lot of people are waiting around for something to get better, mm -hmm. and it maybe isn't <laughs> anytime in the foreseeable future. And so I, I don't understand making music. You know this. I know this. Making music makes you happy. It makes you feel good. If you are lucky enough to be in a band like you, making music with your friends is very satisfying. And there shouldn't be anything that gets in the way of it. And you're lucky to have like the technology. We're all lucky to have that. But it's like it, it, it just – seems that like I see a lot of people out there who are waiting and you guys are forging ahead. Yeah, and I'll I'll say not to self promote, but one thing that's been really um 
eye-opening for me in particular. Uh, I'm the stick in the mud in our group a lot who wants to go back and revise. And the Mm -hmm. way that our current system is, is it is a telephone process. It starts with me and it goes down the line from one person to the next. And we literally release a song, um, not on Spotify always, but like during our little YouTube live series. Yeah. Um, without having heard it. And it just, you maybe wince because you're like, oh, that was a part where there should have been this. But then three or four more listens down, you're like, actually, this is great. And, yeah. you know, if we want to go back and revise it during a live set, we can do that. But uh, it's got us, we're not so hung up on all these details. Now, I'm not saying that being detail-oriented is bad in music and you shouldn't give things time to breathe, but... Uh, for the sake of still feeling like we have a community and we still have a band, this has yeah. allowed us to not uh, worry about that so much because we could definitely spend a whole Zoom call just fighting about whether the guitar lick <laughs> should be in the second verse. <laughs> yes, and that yes, would be could, less yeah, communal. Yeah, you could. One of the funnier moments when you guys were uh, you guys were the last people band to travel here uh, was was seeing how like serious you guys would get about the discussion would happen. It was like yes. But the results are speak for themselves, and and yeah, you know that the thing about you, you know, I put out a bunch of demos earlier this year, and it was literally like I just did them and put them up, and they aren't, they certainly aren't polished uh, at at all, or even finished. Uh, and some people were like, "Hey, well, why do you, how, how do you do that?" And it's like, well, there's a joy in doing this, and that's that's what I chase. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see you guys doing. I, I want to talk about that real quick because I think uh, we haven't talked for a while, and j- you guys are killing it. Uh, <laughs> is is what is what I'm saying. You guys are just uh, I, I think doing the right thing and being a, a model for people uh, who are looking to figure out how to, how to make all of this work. Uh, speaking of joy in music, though, we're going to be talking about Brothers Osborne here. Some country music, country pop. Which is mm-hmm. different. This is later on in this episode. Uh, I'm going to be sitting down with Drew. We're going to talk about Willie Nelson's Teatro, mm. uh, which is a whole other thing. But this, Brothers Osborne are from your neck of the woods, my old neck of the woods, Deal, Maryland. They're from the Eastern Shore. TJ Osborne on on Vox and guitars, and John Osborne, which I want to talk a lot about here on on guitar. They, they have four albums under their belt, three studio albums, Pawn Shop in 2016, Port St. Joe in 2018, which I think is one of your favorites. It is certainly one of mine. It, it is. It was a breath of fresh air in the bro country. Somehow maintained the broness, but also like, <laughs> but also had like a weight to it, right? I, th- I think it tipped its cap, tipped its cowboy hat to the, the bro country while maintaining its own thing. I mean, that's... I hadn't really thought about the Maryland thing in a bit, but that's you know that stretch of the uh, East Coast is very jam band oriented. Yes, a lot of good jam around there, and there's definitely a lot of that that runs through their music. And yeah, that that last album was just, uh, I think it was the last album. It was great. Yeah, it, it was. They did a live live album, live at the Ryman 2018. Mm-hmm. I think because it was like a record store they release. It's fantastic. But now they are back with Skeletons. This is an album that actually I didn't even know was coming. I had no reason to expect it. They recorded it, though, right before uh, all this pandemic shit hit. It was meant to be played in stadiums and because they're pretty big now. And it, and it was meant uh, to be a big old rock show. I want to get you guys acquainted with this and we can come back and talk about it a little bit. This is, and I think you have a different opinion, one of my favorite tracks on this album simply because... I can see Broke Royals writing this. <laughs> so, no pressure there. This is all the good ones. Is a song by the corn of cops. Not every song is a mic drop right from the top. Not every summer is a beach road. Wrong on waking up, wondering where you are. Let all the good ones are. Not every secret is a gotta take it to the grave. Not every friend is a give it hell if a tailor. Not every habit is a good doubt. Gotta have it, make it hot. Drink 
I feel like I could hear all the good ones are from a lot of different country acts.、Mm-hmm. Could have been Brad Paisley.、Um, and I, what I loved about the last Brothers Osborne record was that it did live in the country world, but it was giving me something that I wasn't getting from other Nashville modern country bands.、Uh, I feel like they, they were a jam band, a guitar band、mm-hmm. who nodded. To their country influences and roots. And now they've kind of moved to be a country band who still wants to let you know that they can jam. And that switch just, it wasn't what I was expecting.、Uh, and it sometimes isn't what I'm looking for. Now, would it, I enjoy seeing that live? Hell yeah, that'd be great live. That'd,、yeah. be, that'd be a ton of fun. <laughs> But, you know, that, what I, what I, Found so unique, and what puts that album on heavy rotation for me is just just the slight sort of flip of the script that I don't feel like a lot of other country bands are doing. And everybody knows that in country music, all the most talented guitarists, all the most talented you know, rock musicians are in the country world right now.、Mm-hmm. That's no secret. you know Anyone in Nashville can you know just shred your face off. And、yeah. so it is cool that they are. The band is part of that musicianship because usually it's a singer songwriter who's backed by those guys. Yeah. So I like that these guys are in the front. The, you know, that's part of their, their aesthetic, it's part of their vibe. But again, you know, I just, it sounded to me like a lot of what I could hear on CMT, if that is still a channel. See, that's interesting because I, I'm sure you don't have a lot of experience with the ZZ Top album Afterburner, which was the one after. <laughs> <laughs> was it, execu- it wasn't executioner. You'd be correct, but、uh, I do not have a, a lot a, of experience. <laughs> well, well, I'm going to fix that off mic because、Please. I think you'll love it. I think <laughs> you'll love it. But, you know, ZZ Top had this phase of their career. If you go back to the early、uh, albums, they are very blues based, they're very dirty. In fact, they defined Texas blues for generations in what they did, even as much as they like, took from stuff that, that never really got credit.、Um, But by the 80s, they, they worked in synths and stuff, and they, they went to more pop stuff. And I think this is what happens with a lot of these、uh, great musicians, which I think both、uh, TJ and John are, is that they have this innate ability to just make good songs, pop songs. And we don't often take pop seriously enough.、Uh, and so the first instinct is just like dismiss it. But like that hook in that song is so. Like, deep in me. <laughs> like, it's just, I can't, like, I'm just like, yes. And, and I don't listen to bro country, contrary to popular belief.、Uh, <laughs> I do listen to, like, everything. I listen with an open mind, but I, I just don't listen to a lot of the bro country. But you go,、uh, there's some songs on here that are not quite working like that.、Uh, I'm not for everyone. Yeah, you know, that's just sort of like you know,、mm-hmm. the anti establishment bro.、Uh, Skeletons, though, is like an. It's just a masterful use of like, the songwriting technique to do a thing that's been done so many times before. But there's this quote from,、uh, I believe it's、uh, John. He says, We're not afraid to take risks and just be ourselves. He said, If Pawn Shop was our introduction and Port St. Joe was like the first conversation we had with someone over a beer, and Skeletons is the moment where you start getting down to the real stuff and showing who you really are. I find it interesting that you said jam band because、uh, I did not think that about the last album, but I do think that about this.、Mm. And I, I do hear it very much in this track I want to play right now. 
you know, we talked a little bit about guitar playing on this stuff. Uh, John is rapidly becoming one of my favorite guitar players. Uh, this is just sick. This is most great version. could just grab that fire extinguisher over there we (laughs) that is fucking on fire it is their first instrumental song they've done and it 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 just highlights everything about that band it leans towards a little jammy side uh i'm sure some of our listeners will recognize a lot of what that sounds like but uh that's just sick man that is that is sick and not something i ever expected from this it's good music. Yeah, that's the sort of thing that maybe at a live show you'd get, you know, in the uh, two thirds of the way through as the sort of go to the bathroom, get a beer thing for the, you know, the casual viewers who are just there to hear the the encore song. But, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, maybe it was. I, I didn't get to see him on the last go around, but uh, it is it is a great jam and another like just sort of assertion that, hey, we're not here to mess around and, you know. No, it leads into a song called Dead Man's Curve that is 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 a classic country song. Like you can mm-hmm. you can put any <laughs> Dead Man's Curve is so like uh it's so just a perfect example of the idiom. Like you could put any singer from like the late nineties, early nineties on that track and be like, Yep, and just move it through time and so mm-hmm. and but but this time they did it. It's mm-hmm. it's just like they know their history. They also know what they want to do. And how they want to change it, and and, and then there's a side of them that are just like they they just want to put on a rock show. It, this is a country album, but for me, you know, back to the ZZ Top connection, this does feel more like a rock album. It, there's songs on here that feel like a lot of what's like Sturgill Simpson has been doing lately, uh, and and obviously they had an influence on him, and probably vice versa. Uh, and uh, you know, the, just this. This acceptance in the country world of we don't just have to be whatever someone in Nashville tells us to be. Yeah, I, I there was a part of me that felt like at times they were sort of hoping to be clumped in with Chris Stapleton, just in that yeah, same way yeah. of like how you were saying, you know, he likes to move in and out of time. He likes to write songs or, you know. Uh, cover songs mm-hmm. like Tennessee whiskey that can float in and out of different decor decades. And, um, and th- that was part of, um, I wasn't offended by it. I didn't hate it. It just took me out of it. Like there were moments that pulled me in and sold me. And then those moments kind of pulled me out. And I, I thought, uh, this is, you know, there was, there's a special thing that they do. And I, I, I don't know that this is exactly what I wanted, but, you know, another thing that it's hard to say we've we've entered a world without time. So maybe in a few months yeah. I'll I'll enjoy this record all the more, and I'll totally forget that there was yeah. ever this period. <laughs> maybe you'll find yourself living in Nashville because Nashville's like yep. just assimilated the entire United States, or just a hut in you know the Appalachian Mountains. And oh yeah, yeah. that works too. Uh, you <laughs> did like uh, this song "High Note" that I want to play a little bit of. Uh, I think I know why because. <laughs> But, but I, I want to play a little bit of it, and, uh, and this is uh, – we do have different opinions of this, but I'm going to play <laughs> it. I'm gonna, here's a little bit of high note. Tangled up in sheets, and we get three sheets to 
It's just good pop music. It is. It's pop. Yeah, it's got those sparkling acoustic guitars. It's got you know a mix of electronic and real drums and a catchy hook. And that was that kind of struck me as um, something that they wanted on the record. I don't know. I don't know why. I just felt it. Just had like a longing that I I could feel in that song, and that that one pulled me back in emotionally. Is it is it because it could have been a Brooke Royal song? <laughs> it's because it could have been a Brooke Royal song. <laughs> I, I I won't for the listener. I won't play higher right now, but I go like because I, I haven't compared this. I have and it could be a the, Bruce Springsteen song too. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. It, I I have not done the science. Yeah, it, no, it it is it, it's that that is certainly the most polished song on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, it is certainly the most uh, commonly used, I guess country trope on the album and stuff but the but the point is they execute it so well mm-hmm. for me personally i like stuff like that you don't like but also because i'm older that actually does have a lot to do with it and a lot more history with country uh we were talking about back in the bottle uh during the break to me that song is like fuck yeah y'all are outlaws now and you sell it because it's really hard to sell but you aren't feeling that as much as this one just because that's not your necessarily your experience. So allergic to that um, strain of Nashville country that, like, uh, like alcoholism is dark and it is heavy, and and they just abuse like the. Um, I'm not talking about the Brothers Osborne. I'm just talking about in general. I, I see a lot of just using it in and out as like a fun bachelorette party song, and I really am not talking about that song. It's more like. Because of that, things like that make me just so they put me on edge a little bit because I'm like, oh, is that what's happening here? You know, there are just other country music industry people that just uh, th- there could be more depth in some of those songs about uh, you know a lot of people struggle with addiction and yeah. all that stuff. There, there's a lot of there there are places to go. Am I against a fun drinking song? Absolutely not. The aforementioned higher has uh, you know, yeah. a little bit of that in it. So uh, yeah. I'm not – I don't mean to dismiss it entirely. I just think uh, it's become a little bit part of the um, the meal ticket these days is to write those, raise them up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that they do that on Lighten Up uh more so back on the bottle and i don't have to like look more into it and listen to this uh after we tape this is like my read on that was it was a song about someone who basically uh is just not willing to face they fucked up Hmm. and and not willing to face that they're in pain and do that and that is a slightly different look like it's not it's pretty heavy yeah, it's not a celebratory look at like alcoholism or getting it. I mean, it's just sort of like, you know, I was doing good and then probably for my because of things I did, I fucked up this good thing in my life. So guess yeah. what? I'm turning that to the <laughs> bottle. Uh yeah. and and you know, the some of the best country songs work that way. You you think uh you think that they're celebrating something when actually they're they're actually Sort of like wallowing in the misery of it. That's the, true. Yeah. The, I mean, the the outlier there is on Poncho and Lefty. There's a duo of songs are like 
basically like I drink too much and then it's like, well, why would I quit? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like asked and answered. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah so, maybe they pulled one over on me and I just, I wasn't paying enough attention. You know, that's we'll, very possible. We'll both look at it because that's yeah. how I interpreted it. But, uh, but I do, you know, I, I think that's a astute assessment of country music in general that especially now, uh, it's not all good times, man. Yeah. It can't be. And, uh, and put your damn masks pay- on. Uh, yeah, but you're the, the one part of the, the one industry in music that seems to not get it, you know, it's just it's things yeah. like that. That's like, yeah, you know, yeah, and and we need to pay more attention to to that. That like, yes, everybody loves to have a good time, but there always, always, always is a cost, and we need to pay attention to what that cost is. Right now, that cost is like you said, pull on your goddamn mask, just put it on. Because otherwise, you're never going to see a Brothers Osborne show, yeah, ever. Like it's not it's not going to happen uh, as long as we can't like just collectively and personally just be responsible. Yeah, but at any rate, uh, for me, I think this is a great great album. I- I'm a back half of the album guy. I really like it. I'm going to okay. revisit the whole thing, uh, but certainly from from a high note on, I was that was where I was finding myself putting the loop on. Um, but you know, I'm excited to let it grow. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think it will. Thanks for hanging out, dude. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back, and going to meet up with our friend Drew and talk about Willie Nelson's theatrical. They weren't built for speed. They weren't built for comfort, but. You can bet that they were building something Might not look like much to you But there wasn't really much that couldn't walk through They weren't flashy, they weren't classy But they made them working class happy And I'd be lucky I'd be lucky to walk a mile in my old man's boots These are weird podcasts, dude, because, like, in 500 episodes, we didn't do this. I've never talked about Willie Nelson. <clears throat> oh, wow. If you believe that. Um, but uh, we're, you know, we're, we're getting close to the end, or at least the end of something. Uh, so I got one question for you right now. Why is Willie Nelson's Teatro the best Willie Nelson album? It's the first one that I bought and really listened to. So it's special wow. to me. Yeah. Wow. Uh, in, in 1998. Uh, yeah. was the first one that you bought. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I had, uh, you know, at the time I was, I was into, you know, alternative country a, a good bit, mm-hmm. you know, Wilco, Uncle Tubelo, that kind of a thing. And didn't really like country music beyond that kind of stuff, except for Willie just always seemed like a cool guy to me. And, just mm-hmm. the the songs that I you know we're all aware of his his big hits, um, you know I I didn't hate those like I hated a lot of country music at the time, right. and uh, was in Tower Records and Teatro was there new newly released and I was like you know I'm gonna buy that and I'm gonna I, I should own a Willie Nelson album and and so I bought it and put it on and and just immediately fell in love with it. I and. So other candidates here are albums like uh, – that's not my experience, but it is close to it. it, it yeah, I, I bought it because I realized I hadn't 
listened to Willie Nelson in a while in 1998. Um, I grew up listening to Willie Nelson, but other candidates here would be like everybody reaches for Stardust. Uh, that, that, that's a that's a fan favorite. That's his kind of covers uh, album in the seventies, right? So is this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a little bit, which we're going to get to. Um, everybody reaches for obviously redheaded stranger. Uh, it's a different animal, I think, than mm-hmm. Teatro. Uh, very different than that. And uh, and I personally reach for uh, Poncho and Lefty, which was a collaboration. Uh, but uh, the songs on there, I, I am a big fan of the Cocaine Country. Uh, which is sort of a subsidiary of, of uh, Outlaw Country Inc. and uh, and that one is doused in cocaine. It talks about even like what, like it's time to quit, and then it's like why should I quit? Like he just talks himself out of it. But um, yeah, to say Willie Nelson has had a remarkable career, uh, that would be the the understatement, the largest understatement of all time. Teatro was his forty fifth album. And there's not a bad song on any of those. There's not. That's the thing. And when we're talking about this, you know, people – I don't like to rank things. But people really do like to rank things. So when we're talking about this and people hear me say stuff like Teatro is his best album, A, that's my opinion. But B, it's also based on a little bit of science, uh, which we're going to lay out for you right now. But, you know, that doesn't – most of his albums are actually fantastic. You can there, there's so much Willie Nelson music out there, uh, and such a a beautiful picture of the man uh, that created all this stuff through his art that you can get. Uh, it's really one of our biggest like cultural like resources and gifts, uh, for in my opinion, that we have. And and I know people appreciate Willie Nelson, uh, but I it really bears repeating that you should pay more attention to his catalog to understand a lot of American music. Um, he was coming off. Uh, so in 1990, man, he got hit with the tax evasion shit and uh, it didn't really go well for him, except you saw this groundswell of people who came out and said, Hey, I'm going to buy all your stuff since the IRS took it, got it all back. But that really kind of derailed his career. And he wasn't, uh, he wasn't necessarily, out of the public sphere, but country music wasn't doing great then. And in the late 80s, early 90s, you had all these young whippersnappers. You had Billy Ray Cyrus. Uh, they obviously all respect him, but, you know, Willie Nelson was like the old guard. Right. And then he comes out uh, with his album Spirit. Uh, I believe that was in 1996, uh, where he strips a lot of of his music down. It's a smaller band. Uh, his sister is in all the bands that he's in pretty much. Uh, and Spirit relied a lot more on this sort of Spanish flamenco-style guitar that you're going to hear uh, a lot around Texas, the hill country where he's from specifically. Uh, this was kind of new for him, but I would argue uh, most of his guitar playing throughout his career is a balance of that type of style and jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like and, a Django jazz in a sense. It's Yeah, it's kind of like a, a Django jazz. And uh, it's very distinctive, and that's not just because of his guitar has a giant hole in it. Um, but uh, he followed that up with a gospel album that same year, How Great They Are. And, um, I, you know, in the middle of the 90s, I that would have been reasonable for a lot of people to think, hey, that's it for Willie Nelson. Like, you've reached the gospel and Christmas album stage of your career. Um, but luckily, Daniel Lenoir is apparently a Willie Nelson super fan. Um, he had my, my initial thoughts on why this album is the best is because it is a, despite being an actual kind of greatest hits, it's kind of the greatest hits of B sides. Uh, he did a lot of these songs before, uh, and he, uh, he put them on, one of them is on a 1985 album, uh, Me and Paul. That's a song we're going to get to really quickly here. And he just understood, Lenoir understood what Willie Nelson was about and crafted the perfect version of Willie Nelson and put it on an album. And it hasn't been done before. It hadn't been done since. Uh, And the results uh, do speak for themselves. Uh, you didn't just buy it, I think, because it was you needed some Willie Nelson. I mean, there's a lot going into this where it was appealing to it, but um, one of them is is this first track off of here uh, that is just stunning and dark and and just 
everything you want in a country song, everything you want from Willie Nelson. And it only took till 1998 to perfect it. Here's I Never Cared For You. The stars are raindrops searching for a place to fall. And I never cared for you. I know you won't believe these things I tell you No, you won't believe Your heart has been forewarned All men will lie to you And your mind cannot conceive Now all depends on what I say to you And on your doubting me So I've prepared these statements far from true The sun is filled with ice and gives no warmth at all And the sky was never blue The stars are raindrops searching for a place to fall And I never cared for you So this, this listening to this again, bring you know, and I... We, we talked about this. Uh, this probably gets on my system about once every week or two. Um, but we're talking about, you know, Willie Nelson as a country music, you know, artist. And I remember when I was listening to this for the first time, I didn't know a lot about country music other than I thought I didn't like it. And I was like, this is this does not really feel like country music to me. You know, that obviously he's he's a country artist, but he's so much more than that. And there was like so much going on, uh, but it was minimal and sparse at the same time. And that, you know, that I think was part of what what made me fall in love with it. The other two is just recognizing this like really idiosyncratic rhythmic cadence that that Willie Nelson has always had uh, in his singing, and and how Emmylou Harris's backing vocals um, they don't match it. So you kind of have this push pull, like Willie's always kind of landing somewhere either before the beat or behind the beat. And, and Emmylou Harris is kind of singing it straight and it creates this kind of a little bit of a tension that I don't think I've ever heard before in, in any, any music. No. And, you know, Emmylou Harris is a legend in her own right. You know, just her work with Graham Parsons, but her solo work as well. But, but consider this. Um, and this is one of the great successes of this album. And I think this is, again, a masterstroke from Len Wong, who was like, what would the best version of Willie Nelson be? It obviously would be with Emmylou Harris singing back up. She'd done it before in 1978. There's, he made this movie called Honeysuckle Rose, um, which was basically just about the Willie Nelson experience. <laughs> but it was about this guy, Buck Bonham. He was a country singer and he was like struggling to find national fame. And at one point in the movie, he actually sings with Emmylou Harris. Like the real Amy Lou Harris who's in there. So she, she'd done that before and she played on a live album. But that was back in 1978, 1980. It took till 1998 to get Amy Lou Harris on an album with Willie Nelson. And to understand how mind boggling that is, Willie Nelson has literally played with just about every single musician on the planet. Like, and possibly made an album with <laughs> How did like, that not happen? I mean, this is right. the guy's like on his 45th album. and Right. And here's this other superstar, this iconic musician. And like, oh, you know, I guess we're going to do this now. Uh, it, it is kind of mind blowing. But she does uh, tend to like the highlights of the record tend to be this interaction. A song like that, you know, he's it, it's well, it's a mean song, <laughs> first of all. But there's a lot of like, like you said, call and response in this. Um, that just by nature of them uh, collaborating here and singing together, and it changes, it subtly changes like how you should take all this music. Um, you know, the the recording situation for this was they went to an old movie theater in Oxnard, California. Um, it was it was meant to be a a an event for these people to get together and make cinematic music. So you hear a song like that, and you can certainly feel. Uh, how cinematic it is. I want to play a little bit of the original version now. Um, this was in 1985. It's 
the, the difference is noticeable, but uh, this is the 1985 version of I Never Cared For You off of uh, me and Paul. Your heart has been forewarned, all men will lie to you. Your mind cannot conceive. Now all depends on what I say to you. And all you're doubting me. I've prepared these statements far from true Pay heed and disbelieve The sun is filled with ice It gives no warmth at all The sky was never blue The stars and raindrops Searching for a place to fall And I never cared for you So that's got a little, almost a, like a Ray Charles hit the road jack vibe to it, um, which, you know, Nelson came up as a songwriter in uh, in the 50s and 60s, and like he was basically writing hits, like Neil Diamond was writing hits, like Paul Simon was writing hits, and all that. And I don't honestly know what happened to him, that he just turned into like, I'm going to move to the hill country, and I'm just going to smoke Every bit of weed in America, and I'm, that's how I'm going to live the rest of my life. But thank God it because <laughs> um, as good as that is in 1985, that sort of reflects where country music was, where he was even. It was actually progressive for country music to be even like referencing R&B uh, in, in these arrangements and stuff. But uh, for – I mean, you heard the evidence. What he came up with for Teatro was something completely different. It defines, uh, for me, I think the heart of his career, this sort of uh, Tex-Mex country uh, world music, uh, for me, that's, that's how I like to define it. Uh, but it, it also like makes a statement that how much more you can do with country music. Yeah, it's like a border music kind of uh, thing. Um and and very you know his 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 60s stuff um yeah he was writing for a lot of other people but he was recording too and it definitely had that kind of like nashville sound uh thing going on it's great stuff to go back and listen to and i really enjoy it i guess he got fed up with nashville retired for like 6 months but then uh reemerged in the early 70s um you know doing the outlaw thing which thank god he he uh he did that um, but what I, what I, it strikes me listening to that '85 version of "I Never Cared for You," just how much Emmy Lou Harris's backing vocals on Teatro kind of like takes a little bit of the edge off, or or because this is a dark album. I mean, <laughs> it's, very dark. It, it, it's just you know the 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 content on this is is just really dark, um, and, and you know Willie's done a lot of stuff that's just not nearly as dark as this but the album doesn't feel down or dark per se it's just you know it's it, it, there's there's that that dichotomy there but Emily Lou Harris just like really um just adds uh i don't know if it's just that female perspective or just making it kind of more of a mutual thing I think it's a perspective thing, and, and I think perspective is an important term when you're talking about this. It's not just that she's there. Like she's exerting her her person mm-hmm. onto this song and onto this situation and onto what's happening while this song is playing out. Uh, and and that's that's a little different than just background vocals. Sure. Uh, in, it's a duet. In, in my, They're duets. Yes, absolutely. It's absolutely a duet. Um, there's – you know, you speak of dark, and this is – it's funny because a lot of these songs are like we were saying are older. That song was 1985. Back in 1962, when he was arguably writing all these pop songs, he comes up with this song uh, "I've Just Destroyed the World." Uh, it doesn't make it to further albums. Uh, a, a thing country artists tend to do, which um, actually jazz artists do, so this makes a whole lot of sense. They'll come up with songs and then they re-record songs throughout their career. There's also standards. An interesting thing with Willie Nelson that he's done throughout his career is that he has sort of considered his own work as standards, even if it wasn't popular. Uh, This one wasn't necessarily popular. And I think uh, this time we're going to play 
the old version first, and then we'll get to the new version. Uh, this is from 1962. This is, I think, a demo of I've Just Destroyed the World. I'm living in I broke her heart So many times And now I've finally Broken mine And I've just destroyed the world I'm living in What made me Think that I Could go on Hurting her I should have known there had to be an end. But schools of love. So you're sitting around a fire. <laughs> you've got your whiskey. You've got your horse. Uh, maybe a, a coyote off in the distance. Uh, dude, that's cowboy as fuck. Uh, that was not. Uh, what Daniel Lenoir had in mind for this, and I think possibly what Willie had in mind for it. You know, over you know what those thirty plus years, uh, it then morphed into this, which is uh, it's such a dark song. It's so heartbreaking, but I've always loved it because it it's it feels a little hopeful because the singer, uh, the protagonist here. Uh, seems to understand how badly he's fucked up. It doesn't feel sorry for himself, but like, man. Uh, here's I've just destroyed the world I'm living in uh, off of Bullying of Substantial. Behind the clouds, there's darkness all around me now. And I've just destroyed the world I'm living in. I broke her heart. So many times And now at last I've broken mine And I've just destroyed The world I'm living What made me think That I could Go on hurting her I had to know There had to be And love are taught by faith We never learn Till it's too late And I've just destroyed The world I'm living in So thinking about Willie's music as kind of its own Like American songbook These songs work so well In like Reimagined like this mm -hmm. but at the same time they're still just very willy like they yeah. it doesn't sound like a you know <laughs> yeah i guess it kind of sounds like a different band playing because it is but it's it's just it's willy it doesn't feel like willy doing you know something outside of willy's comfort zone it's just mm -hmm. naturally willy no matter what decade and how it's treated and how it's arranged or approached yeah, but that's got like an auto harp and on the chord on it and stuff. It's like all these like instruments that you don't necessarily associate with Willie Nelson. You know, let's let's talk about this band too. You've got Willie, Emily, Daniel, uh, Tony Mangurian is his long time. All these are long time collaborators. Uh, Tony Mangurian on drums, Victor Indrizio on drums as well. Bobby Nelson, his sister, uh, Brian Griffiths on guitar. Uh, Mickey Raphael, which uh, we can talk about him a little bit in a second, uh, on harmonica and bass harmonica. Brad Meldow on uh, on on vibraphone and piano. And if you're like, Brad Meldow, that sounds familiar. He put out a great album uh, last year that we talked about. But he is the guy that a lot of people are, are, of you are going to know from doing Radiohead covers, like jazz Radiohead covers. So uh, Malcolm Burner on organ, Jeffrey Green on drums as well, and uh, Cyril Neville. So you got a Neville brother up in there. <laughs> this is this is like star studded, uh, and just like there's no way this th could have turned out badly. I just don't. I can't imagine sitting behind the console and being like, "Oh my god, we just did not understand how good this is going to be," because to your point, because of Willie, we talk about how instruments uh, sort of just amplify the human. I don't think we need an answer to the essence of Willie because we get to sort of like bathe in it 
um, through his music and stuff. But holy shit, what a musician! Yeah, this was like this was really Lanois' doing, right? He this was kind of his vision that he, I guess, convinced Willie to go along with to bring these people together and approach these songs the way that that he did. Um, you know, Willie didn't put out a bad song, but I think one of the reasons why this album is one of his best, or if not his best, is because of that 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 whole kind of vision of what Willie's songs could be with Willie's voice on them, but all of the accompaniment. You don't always get that. I don't think you got that in that '85 version of of uh, I Never Cared for You. You know, it's it's nice. There's good stuff on it. There's obviously good playing on it, but it doesn't evoke this feeling. I think that that I get from from Teatro. No, not at all. And and I think um, he hasn't actually either done a, an album like this since. And his output is now picking up. Uh, Lenoir, I think, is the key here, uh, but more of, of like a coach. I mean, Lenoir is what we would refer to as a super producer. Um, he did this uh, – he sort of revitalized Emily Harris with Wrecking Ball and uh, arguably did this exact thing with Bob Dylan on Time Out of Mind, uh, which, look, there's a case to be made. That is Dylan's best album, and I know the internet will melt if you suggest that, but if you put it up against any of his great works, it's going to hold up pretty much. In large part because Lenoir, not necessarily Dylan. Well, you can argue whether or not that's Dylan's best album, but I don't think anybody's going to argue that that was sort of the the beginning of a new golden era of Dylan. Oh, I think it absolutely was. He was coming out of the eighties, all his like Christian Dylan that he was doing. Like Dylan hadn't been on the radar for a long time before that. That was his comeback, uh, and now he's drifted into like three LP long Frank Sinatra covers. Um, so maybe Lanwell needs to get back in there. But, you know, we're talking about Willie Nelson. Um, and one thing, Lanwell getting in there, Willie, has, because he started off as a sort of contracted songwriter, he understands good songs. That's part of the secret of all his success. Um, we've said it already, but you go back through the entire catalog. Find me a bad Willie Nelson song, like a truly bad Willie Nelson song. There's, it's, it's almost impossible. Like I can't think of one, and I don't know how many songs he has, but it's got to be in the like the, it's got to be in the almost a thousand, right? Well, I mean, how, what, he's at like album hundred now or something like that, and <laughs> yeah. you can you can just pick a random Willie Nelson album and a random song, and you have a hundred percent chance of hearing a good song. Yeah, yeah, um, but he covered Daniel Lanois' "The Maker" on this, which has been covered by a good number of people, actually. Uh, since then and I think it was because of this cover I want to play a little bit of it because again this sounds nothing like the Willie Nelson you know and yet it is everything like the Willie Nelson you know here's a little bit of the maker oh oh deep water Walk into me 
type of thing that you would expect you uh, 2 or something to do on the Until the End of the World soundtrack. That's extremely 90s, an album that is not 90s at all. Uh, and yet, Lily comes in and ties the uh, more spiritual aspects of that to his like history of, of like gospel and country, for example, and makes it all work. I don't know any many other musicians that could make that work. No, no. And, and can I just say the the production quality on this album is so exquisite. Just do, I mean, if you're going to listen to this album, don't do it on on laptop speakers or you know, listen to it on yeah. headphones or on a good system because the music just comes alive. His vocals, Emily Lou's vocals, just come alive. the The drums are big, but they're earthy. Like yeah. everything's really just earthy, um, you know, Americana, if you will. Um, it's just it's just beautifully engineered from beginning to end. Yeah, and it feels like a, a more of, of of an event um, that you've been invited to. Then you're just like putting on something, and you know, great production can be good and bad. You can, stuff can sound like absolutely fantastic, but it doesn't sound alive. Uh, this does sound alive. This does sound uh, inviting. This does welcome you into uh, this sort of rebirth of Willie Nelson, reannouncement of Willie Nelson on the scene. Uh, since then, he's done what he always did, which was just whatever the fuck he wants to. Uh, he's done a reggae album. He's done collaborative with Snoop Dogg. He's like, he he's just uh, one of the purest musicians I think we have in the modern era. And uh, I, I just you, – you can listen to the newer stuff and you should celebrate it. But if you don't go back to this, then you're just really missing out on what Willie Nelson I think is all about. Yeah, I find it interesting that even just when you when you kind of set this, this episode up um, – Heart, you know, when people think of of great Willie Nelson albums, you know, you pretty much listed off albums that came out in the seventies. Yeah, and I think Poncho and Lefty maybe was like early eighties, but it's I, I still kind of consider that like the seventies era of yeah. his, and that's certainly like his most famous era, um, defining era. Um, that his best album, arguably, is one that came out twenty years later. Yeah. After his maybe his career had kind of not been going anywhere for a while, and he had all these IRS problems and all this kind of thing, and he's reborn. Um, he's reborn, and, and you know this was the era I think where some legacy artists were reborn. We talked, you know, Bob Dylan, Emmy Lou Harris, yep. uh, Johnny Cash, like the, these, you know, they had they kind of Williams. A, mm-hmm, this, this, you know, and that was kind of I, I guess a thing in the in the nineties was, yeah. Um, Artists that maybe weren't treated very well in the 80s, uh, not necessarily by the industry. You know how I feel about 80s production values. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I hear that in that, that Willie tune that you played. It's just there's something that I think there's something about the 80s production, studio production that was not kind to, in my mind, to artists that, that really kind of came up in the 60s and 70s that – Something about it just didn't quite work. And mm-hmm. I I kind of see like albums like this, uh, Emily's comeback uh, with Lenoir. I mean, L- Lenoir was, I guess, probably the biggest 
production force behind kind of helping these artists reinvent themselves. He was, he was on fire in the 90s. Uh, but it's – yeah, it's it's kind of wiping that slate clean and, and allowing them to kind of you know have that second or third career, which I think for all those artists, if they're still alive, lasts to this day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean – to the production thing, consider the guy who made Shotgun Willie phases and stages, redheaded stranger to Lefty from Willie, Waylon and Willie, um, made those albums, and then you roll into the eighties, and it is just a completely different vibe. There was, uh, you know, the outlaw country stuff for me was never like egregious, like a lot of like rock music was back then. You know, rock music took it to an extreme. The the outlaw country stuff was just sort of out just outside of Nashville, but also more Bakersfield mm-hmm. and uh, Texas sound, uh, which was, I, I think, not only necessary, but generally better uh, than the Nashville country at any point in history. Uh, and, and people have started to catch up to that and, still, like I said, still look back at those albums. Uh, there is definitely a lot to find in the 80s with Willie Nelson that is – good uh, but it's not until you get to here that, that you see um that maybe it's taking a break man yeah he's I, just hanging out yeah I, I i think about all the the willie nelson fans out there that that you know don't devour all of his his output that they kind of stick to the the 70s stuff and they're missing this album they are. You know, I, I recognize that i'm probably extremely extraordinary and that this was like my entry point to Willie Nelson. And then I went back and kind of dug into his earlier stuff. Well, there's also a thing, uh, a phenomenon where, and I have suffered from this for most of my life. Uh, people do get into stuff at a later date, uh, with, with Spotify and everything. It's a little weirder because we have everything right now, but we still are locked into these algorithms of like, you know, if somebody says Willie Nelson, like we've been saying, you're gonna, people are gonna recommend a seventies album instead of digging into stuff. But, what I would say is like even if you go for that 70s album first – first of all, if you have not listened to Teatro or maybe didn't even know it existed, this album's over 20 years old now. So you might not even know about it. Uh, if you haven't experienced it, really, like you said, sit down, spend some time with it, put it on headphones, a good system, and and listen to one of the better albums, uh, not just of his career. I think that has been made uh, definitely in the 90s. It's, it's just a fantastic – recording of art but also pull the thread man if you're digging shotgun willie or maybe maybe you even came on some of these songs you you found the old willie nelson uh collection on spotify or some playlist and stuff where they have all these older songs versions of this and didn't even know uh then go back and forth and listen to them and compare and contrast and figure out what you like uh there is so much you, you could just devote your life to studying this man's career. Mm-hmm. And I but will this is the, devote the yeah, rest of my yeah. life. Which <laughs> yeah, but th- but this is a point you should definitely land on. And if you don't land on it, you're, you may be doing it wrong. But that's why we're, we're – uh, you're wondering about this? That's why we're here to help, Drew. We are here to help you uh, find these gems uh, in, in catalogs you maybe didn't know. Yeah, I, I think, you know, get into this album and, and I think there's a good chance that this is going to be an album that you're going to be living with for the rest of your life. Thanks for hanging out, dude. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And Cheers. had no sunshine. But when you left me, my world came to an end. And there was darkness on the face of the earth. And the stars fell out of heaven. The moon could not be found. Big thanks to Philip and Drew for hanging out to talk about some uh, some country music, some old, some new, uh, some pop, some legendary stuff. Uh, both of those albums I greatly enjoy. So uh, if if you are on that wavelength, then uh, go out and check them out. They're all streaming, available to purchase. I actually got. This is last year, I guess, a uh, vinyl copy. I think Light in the Attic might have put it out. Could be wrong about that, but uh, put out a, a, a vinyl issue of, of Teatro, and it rarely leaves my little shelf of records of stuff that I'm about to play. It sounds fantastic because the album's fantastic. 
And uh, and I'm waiting for the uh, Brothers Osborne album to arrive in the mail as we speak. So there you have it. That is it for this episode of Discologist. If you like what you heard, go out, find your uh, artists, find your venues, whether that be a uh, music venue, an art space. Uh, maybe you consider cooking an art, which it is, and you want to support a restaurant. Do that uh, if you are able. If if we do not support these places that we care about in our community with our actual dollars, which only if we're able, you don't, shouldn't feel pressure to do this, but if you're able to do it and you don't do it, we can have no reasonable expectation that they are going to still be around. We've seen how the federal government is slow uh, to take up anything uh, to support anything <laughs> really uh, that we need, and that's going to continue. There's no fingers crossed that like maybe someday it's going to get better. It is up to us. And so we should all be getting out there and do that. Me personally, I'm going to be uh, doing a lot more stuff, hopefully, to help support the Cactus Club more directly. But that's just me, and that's because it's down the street. But also restaurants in, in Bayview here. But I'm sure you have places like that where you live. So go out and uh, tell them that you love them with your money. And that's it. We're going to be back in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We will talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!